1: on the free odyssey app presented by Bet rivers sportsbook
2: good saturday morning chicago welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on 670 the score and your free odyssey app broadcasting live from the hyundai score studios i'm david haw along with bruce levine talking baseball from 9 until 11 like we do every saturday morning looking a little closer today a cubs pitchers missing bats and the white Sox missing a team leader
3: morning bruce how you doing Morning, David. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful day. The sun is out here in Chicago. It might be a little crisp, but uh, spring training is uh, in full bloom. The WBC is starting right now, so teams will be showing some other players at different positions. We'll talk about the Cubs and Sox and what they do during the WBC. But uh, all in all, it's a uh, it looks like a uh, a time where you know Chicago baseball is going to take the forefront very soon. Bulls are uh, still trying to figure out who they are with uh, just oh, a please. few games left. And the uh, Blackhawks, uh, well, oh, please, we'll wait till next year.
2: Bruce, they said there would be nothing but baseball today. I am dealing with those other things than during an angsty week. We don't need to – oh, okay. It is reality, and maybe people want to weigh in. You know what? The Patrick Kane trade made me wonder on this baseball show, the, the Hawks trading Patrick Kane. What does that remind Cubs or Sox fans of? Was there a trade that was hard to accept that maybe stands out in your memory going way back or maybe more recently, 312 644 Let us know. Audience participation, big part of this show, Bruce. But we want to focus on, obviously, the Cubs and the Sox, and it's easy to do this morning. Last night, the Cubs threw a no-hitter. The Cubs threw a no-hitter against the Padres and Manny Machado. Justin Steele started. Six other relievers came in, continued, and the Cubs threw a no-hitter, Bruce. That's a good place to
3: start on a Saturday morning. If you remember back to uh, early 2021, uh, they did the same thing, and uh, Craig Kimbrell was on the mound, and they wanted to lift him up on, his, on their shoulders and carrying him off. He didn't know. First thing he said to them was, hey, the catcher comes out and goes, it was a no-hitter. He goes, I didn't know. Uh, so from, the, from all of that, you know, it was uh, fun to watch them pitch well. And, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, our friend uh, Pat Hughes, who does such a great job with Ron Coomer here on the score, doing all 162 games, had the call on marquee last night. To short, Alcantara to Weber to first,
1: no hitter and <laughs> no hitter here in the cactus league the chicago cubs collaborating for a no-no against the san diego padres
2: that's great let me just say this as encouraging as it is to have the cubs throw a no-hitter in a two-hour and 14-minute game that's another good thing but bruce the best thing about that highlight pat hughes is back pat hughes is in arizona yeah. Pat Hughes is there for the soundtrack of our season and our summer. That is as good of a new – as great of a development as there was on a Friday night. The pitching, yeah, that's great. Terrific. I don't think they're going to put Justin Steele on their shoulder. But Pat Hughes is back, Bruce.
3: Yeah, and, and that is – you know, that is the voice that gets you excited. You know, when you hear him, you know, when you hear the White Sox uh, broadcasters, you hear Benetti and Stone on the other side of town. That That is, you know, certainly – Chicago baseball, you know, the marquee people doing such a great job down there. Uh, Pat was doing the, the game with uh, Rick Sutcliffe yesterday. So, yep. <clears throat> you know, Pat wasn't going to be able to talk very much because. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's just getting warmed up. He's got to
2: get his voice in spring training mode, <laughs> too. He's on a pitch count.
3: Yeah, well, you know, when Sut gets on a story, it could go for two or three innings. Yeah. They're, they're fascinating no stories, but they do last.
2: So, Bruce, okay, the Cubs throw a no-hitter. The White Sox are, uh, you know, moving right along. But I think the big story for Sox fans on Friday was a a Sun-Times report from Steve Greenberg in Florida at Astros camp. This was on SunTimes.com. It was a story about Jose Abreu. There were some comments that I think we want to get to because Jose Abreu, to me, Bruce, was the last ex-White Sox player that I would have predicted – would say something controversial on the way out with his new team, and yet he talked about, "quote, we weren't a real family with the White Sox last year." Um, he, he remembering everything is hard. He said that it hurts, and this is the one I wanted you to see what you thought about uh, Bruce because of what it says about the culture that he was, you know, in the last year or maybe last two years. "Quote: Sometimes when you're at a place where maybe you're not being respected to the point where you you think you should be." It's time, and you have to go somewhere else. Jose Abreu to Steve Greenberg and, and the SunTimes and SunTimes.com. Very interesting comments from Jose Abreu after leaving town.
3: Well, David, I wasn't surprised by this. If you remember back to the end of 2022, Jose Abreu did not play the last game at uh, at the ballpark at guaranteed rate. And uh, he had had it, okay? this is before the, you know, the, the, uh, the idea was that uh, they weren't going to negotiate much with him. I believe the White Sox offered a one-year deal. That wasn't going to be good enough for a they have Vaughn that they want to move to first base. It's all, you know, I, I don't see, uh, I don't see where they had much choice. Uh, you know, where was Vaughn, was Vaughn going to go back to right field and, you know, continue to flounder out there and, and injure him, uh, possibly injure himself. And you know, with the White Sox defense the way it was, I I think the White Sox made the exact move they had to make. Um, If you were going to do anything out of the ordinary and you knew you weren't bringing Abreu back, should they have traded him in the second half of last year? You know, maybe, maybe that is the the situation that we've ignored the fact that, well, if he wasn't coming back and the Sox were certainly not fighting for anything, the last uh, two months of the season, you trade Jose Abreu, but it, in this instance, and Steve Greenberg did a really fine story in the Sun Times, you know, uh, going down there and talking to Brayu and, uh, you know, getting some of these quotes. You 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 hear and read disappointment not only in uh, not being brought back or offered a longer contract, but uh, also his team. You you read that the fact that we weren't a family. That's the quote that stands out in the story, David. We weren't a family last year. Now, people might turn the finger around and say, well, Jose, you're the leader of this team. Why weren't you a family? But he wouldn't get into it any further than to say, that's not who we were last year. And so I think Jose Abreu was just ready to move on. I don't think, uh, even though he's disappointed not staying, I think this was the right time for Jose Abreu to move on for his career and for the White Sox and the the way that they set up with with their team and the fact that Jimenez is going to be the DH and Vaughn needs to be the first baseman. I I find it a no-fault situation to tell you the truth.
2: 312 644
3: 67 We got a big show today
2: beyond the White Sox talk about Jose Abreu's comments and the Cubs no hitter. We've got Cody Bellinger, the Cubs center fielder, at 930. And then at 1030 next hour. We have Matt Flesh, who is the creator of Last Comiskey, a great documentary on the last season of Comiskey Park back in 1990. Bruce, I know you remember that well. And also your phone calls, 312-644-6767. Maybe you have a Cubs or Sox trade that hit you wrong, the way the uh, Patrick Kane trade hit a lot of Blackhawks and Chicago sports fans the wrong way this week. Following up just on your Abreu comments, Bruce, I think that's the, the, the rational way to look at it. And I think you're exactly right because – Last year's dysfunction almost needs no recounting. We lived through it. We talked about it. And we had enough of it. So moving on, looking back, it doesn't really surprise anybody, or it shouldn't, that Jose Abreu identified last year's team as not being a real family. Had they been a real family, there wouldn't be the dysfunction that tore them apart or that contributed to a 500 season. It was clear that there was something wrong, and these comments just maybe confirm that You wish him well. I don't think there was a class here. White Sox player the last decade. He was always a consummate professional. That's why I guess I was a little surprised, if anything. Maybe, I don't want to say disappointed, but we know that the Sox have issues. I didn't expect Jose Abreu to be the one who magnified him.
3: Well, all I can say is Frank Thomas played for two other teams other than the Chicago White Sox. I, th- I think that tells <laughs> you everything you need to know. I mean, uh, Frank Thomas... It's the most iconic uh, hitter, by far, in Chicago White Sox history. Yeah, you know, the old timers will tell you Luke Appling because he played 20 years. He's a Hall of Famer. He was a great shortstop for teams that uh, were kind of, uh, you know, the White Sox during Luke Appling's time was they were not good teams. You know, he played uh, 20 years from 20 from 30 to to 1950, and uh, they, they never moved the needle. You know, uh, as far as that goes, but you know. As I, you know, digress here, the, the fact is, if Frank Thomas can play somewhere else, so can Jose Abreu. You know, so can Anthony Rizzo, so can Chris Bryant, and that's just the nature of the game. Um, I think he'll, he'll eventually. Do you think nine years is statue worthy? Uh, uh, do you think it's number retiring worthy? Uh, you know, where, where, where do you stand on Jose Abreu and his? Uh, his look of uh, history for the Chicago White Sox? I don't think look? they're
2: going to cast him in Browns. I think that seems a little bit over over the top. Uh, they might retire his number. Uh, who would want to wear 79 again anyway? It's the worst number any first baseman's ever worn on the south side or any side. I mean, that's a terrible number for a first baseman. But I think that great for him. I, I could see that. he was He was definitely one of these guys who – was an asset to the organization and the community. And I had a great rapport with him, like a lot of people. I, I miss Jose Abreu already. So it's one of those things that, yeah, his place in White Sox history is secure. So I think uh, his comments, maybe maybe they bother some people, maybe they don't. Maybe they're worth a, a shrug after all. Bruce, I want to talk about what's going on in Mount, at uh, Camelback Ranch in Glendale, though, with the White Sox. Andrew Vaughn replacing him. Elvis Andrews we'll talk about him later in the show, at second base. How do you think Oscar Colas is doing? He had a, a productive week in right field. Anything about the Sox camp this week surprise you or stand out?
3: Uh, well, I would say that uh, just the fact that um, you're seeing Colas take his part in right field, I think that's a key. You know, I think White Sox fans were unsure of, who Colvis is, uh, what level the White Sox were seriously considering him as the everyday right fielder. He's going to be the right fielder. Uh, He's going to be everyday right fielder. And if he stays healthy, I think he's going to put up numbers because, David, this is not a a rookie in the sense. I mean, this is a rookie in the sense a little bit more like Abreu was in 2014 when he came up after being a professional in Cuba for – uh, six or seven years he played in Japan okay he played in Cuba he's 24 years old we've already heard about uh, him being a leader down there in the minor leagues and uh, other players being drawn to him already so I, I think this is a this is an automatic that he's uh, he's in there five to six hundred at bats this year playing a better right field than the White Sox have been able to see defensively from anybody for a little bit of a time so uh, I, I think that's, that's the focal point for me there. Uh, obviously, it's second base. You know, Whether uh, you know, it's going to be three different guys doing it still or now, you have Andrews, who uh, appears to be uh, up for the every day. But you know, Grafal has not said yet, David, uh, who's going to be his starting second baseman. So I, I think the competition with the veteran there and then Gonzalez, Sosa, Uh, You also have uh, Leori there. So there's a lot of competition for that spot.
2: Less than four weeks until opening day. Looking forward to counting down. A lot of things that could happen between now and then. We're asking for your impressions of spring training and also your memories of trades that stung, like the Patrick Kane trade stung Chicago sports fans, Hawks fans in particular this week. Good response on the text line. Bruce 312 says that uh, he remembers when he was a kid. Cubs fan until... They traded away Fergie Jenkins and Billy Williams and then turned to the White Sox ever since. TJ in displays, thanks for sharing that memory. Uh, 708, it's a recent one, Anthony Rizzo trade. That one hurt a lot. He's the next Cub in line for a statue in front of Wrigley Field. He was here through the hard times and did a lot for the community. Uh, So there are, I'm sure, other trades that may come to mind. Let's get out to the phone lines and see what is out there. Score Listener Line, powered by BetQL, Bet smarter. Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Rich, our buddy in Old Town, weighing in on his trade memories. Good morning, Rich. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, guys. Thanks. Uh,
1: yeah, I have kind of the same memories. I'm an older guy, so I tried to stay more contemporary. We can go way back, and there's some disasters. But I wanted to get your reaction to these. I really had two for each team the Northsiders and the Southsiders. I'll start with the White Sox. Tatis for James Shields, disaster. <laughs> and Montas for Todd Frazier, another disaster. The Cubs are going to outdo them with these two, though. How about Jimenez and Cease for Quintana? That's that's a joke. And then this is my favorite Cubs. Palmero and Jamie Moyer to the Rangers, for a bunch of burnout guys that I can't even remember, they got a boatload of guys that were bust. Well,
3: well, they, thanks got sure. Williams. they got Mitch Williams in that deal. They got Mitch Williams in that one, right,
2: Bruce? That's yeah. that, And that was a huge trade for the Cubs.
3: Yeah, that was a big deal. And uh, they did get a division out of it with uh, Mitch Williams. But, uh, you know, uh, historically correct, Palmero right away, you know, started to develop into one of the great hitters in the in Major League Baseball. Moyer took another five years, David, being released a couple times. I remember talking to him uh, about uh, when he was with the Cardinals that uh, he was going to released again, he was going to become a gym teacher. Okay, that was 240 wins. Later, you know, he ended up with the 270 wins. This was uh, one of the, the great uh, stories about a guy who didn't have a lot of stuff other than guts and the desire to win to go out there and become an outstanding pitcher after his uh, career bounced away. But those are good. Those are good. Uh, good. Good trades. Uh, I think if you're a Cub fan and a Sox fan, you're always going to look at the Sammy Sosa deal, okay, and go, Yeah, hmm, uh, that was that was not good. That didn't work out. And then a- and that's the other – That's
2: the mo- yeah. That that's a more recent example too, Bruce. I think the the Sox trading Sosa. But also, the Hawks trading Kane to the Rangers reminded me of the 2005 day when the Cubs traded Sosa to the Orioles. Is something that was very – nobody remembers Sammy Sosa in an Orioles jersey, just like I'm not sure that anybody's going to remember Patrick Kane in a Rangers sweater. But su- sure enough, Sosa was traded to the Orioles from the Cubs after some of um, you know, his, his hype had died down and he was near the end of his career. And that was kind of an obscure uniform for him to put on. David, quit raising Cain with me. (laughs) Well played, Bruce. Let's get back to the phone lines. Owen is in Willowbrook, wants to talk about Jose Abreu. Good morning, Owen. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hi, guys.
3: Um, You know, as as a fan, and I hear those comments from Abreu, they weren't family. The way I look at it, I don't care about, as a fan, if they get along as a family. I want them to have chemistry on on the baseball field. And if you look at the old Oakland A's teams in the 70s, Those guys were always arguing with each other. and Same with the Yankees under Billy Martin. They weren't family. They came in and did business, and they got the job done. The Sox didn't have that. And basically, Abreu wanted to go to a winner. I don't think anybody's going to beat the Astros again this year. And I think it's a little bit of sour grapes that they only offered him one year. Um, And then secondly, guys, just a take. Last year, Andrew Vaughn, did best when he batted out of the two hole. I noticed again yesterday he was 2 for 3 out of the two hole. I wish they would leave that kid there because the guy goes to right field probably better than anybody on that team except for
2: maybe Anderson. Just want to get your Oh, and that's a great phone call. I I think both in terms of your assessment of last year but also Bruce looking ahead to this one. Andrew Vaughn batting second. Does that make sense to you and if not who who's a better fit because Owen's right, the way that Vaughn if he's going to be the run producer that they think
3: he can be, and he's the hitter that he already is, isn't that where you want him? Well, you know, in, in the world that we live in now, David, where it's all designated hitter in both leagues, yeah. I mean, I I, I have no problem with Vaughn batting second because, you know, there's not that automatic out uh, anymore with a pitcher. what hasn't been in the American League in 50 years now. But the fact that, um, you know, you have your best hitters, one, you know, look, we saw it an awful lot with uh, Joe Madden and the Cubs, right? Uh, how many times did he move up his best hitters, you know, that were were in an old school mode would have been hitting third or fourth to batting second, first. You know, uh, Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo is the greatest leadoff man in the history of the Chicago <laughs> Cubs, right? So we'll talk about Horner being the leadoff man now a little later in the show. But, you know, the the reality of the situation is I – I don't mind Vaughn hitting a two-run homer, you know, in the first inning, uh, batting second. I'm good with that. Bruce, couple of texters want to know, uh, get your impressions of, of trades. White
2: Sox traded Goose Gossage to the Pirates for Richie Zisk. Do you remember that one? Also, sure. the Bill Buckner trade. He cried on the air when Harry Carey interviewed him after the trade. I don't remember
3: that one. Yeah, I don't know if he, I, I don't remember him crying on the air, but uh, that was uh, that was an important trade for the uh, Cubs. That, that was the trade where they got Eckersley uh, from the Red Sox, and uh, he became a big part of the, uh, the 84 uh, division, Eastern Division champion, uh, Chicago Cubs. But, uh, you know, there there's some other really, you know, the John Garland trade did not work out well for the Chicago Cubs. Uh Matt karshner uh, did not uh, really meet up to what the Cubs wanted. worked out and, pretty well for the white sox they They and,
2: had uh, John Garland in the two thousand and five rotation. Yeah, that was one of the best
3: trades they ever made. One hundred and forty wins later. That was a great trade for the Chicago White sox. <laughs> exactly. well played. Well, we'll get your thoughts, trades,
2: and otherwise three one, two, six, forty, four sixty seven, sixty seven We're going to take a break because we've got to clear things out we've got cody bellinger the cubs center fielder coming up next it's inside the clubhouse david hall bruce levine chicago sports radio 670 the score
1: we're back with more inside the clubhouse with bruce levine and david hall
3: when we talk to the
1: call from mom answer it call silenced
2: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
0: Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
4: Um, uh, this winter, he wanted a one-year deal. Uh, he wanted to bet on himself, and that meant a lot to us that um, he, wanted, he wanted that
0: challenge. Um, Since we signed him um, in early December, he showed up at the complex literally every day uh, to work out, to hit with our our hitting coach, Dustin Kelly.
4: He got right to work. He's been challenging himself offensively. Um, Yeah, he knows he needs to make changes. He knows he needs to get back to where he was. uh, But he's worked so incredibly hard at it. And the Dodgers are an incredible organization, incredibly smart. Uh, but I do believe sometimes that just a change of scenery, uh, getting with with new faces, getting with new coaches, can make a big difference.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine, till 11 o'clock talking baseball. That was Jed Hoyer on MLB Network, the high heat program, and he was talking about Cubs center fielder Cody Bellinger off to a pretty good start in spring training and how motivated mm-hmm. – Cody Bellinger has been this offseason since leaving the Dodgers, Bruce. And as we wait to connect with Cody, I think it bears repeating and reinforcing the idea that the Dodgers didn't want him. And that plays a big role perhaps on what we're going to see from Cody Bellinger this year. The, there was a report in the LA times this, this week reiterating how surprised Scott Boris was his agent that they non-tendered Cody Bellinger. That's real motivation. I think you're finding out just how committed Cody Bellinger is to proving people wrong this year. And that's great for the Cubs.
3: Yeah. I wonder if it's more about what the Dodgers are doing rather than Cody Bellinger, you know, it's not only Bellinger, but you know, Trey Turner, Justin Turner. Okay. Uh, they didn't bring back the core of their offense. Uh, you know, so from the perspective of them for the first time, Dodgers trying to get under paying the luxury tax, uh, you just wonder if it was more Dodgers and their philosophy rather than uh, Cody Bellinger and the fact that he wasn't living up to their expectations.
2: That's a great point because they are loaded and they have talent throughout the system. But I think that's the big picture view of the Dodgers in their future and their season. I think if you're an athlete, you look at everything, how it affects me and what it says about me. And you want to know that you're one and appreciated and going to play a major role uh, on any team. And, and I think that's why getting Cody Bellinger at this stage of his career is such a big deal for the Cubs because of what he can do for them and the need he helps fill. And that's why we go out to our guest hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that's where we find Cody Bellinger. Cody, good, good morning. Welcome inside the clubhouse. How are
4: you? I'm good, man. How are you?
2: We're doing well. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Things are off to a good start for you in spring training. We were talking coming in, Cody, just on how we heard from Judd Hoyer, how you were early to camp, how you have been so committed to this season and and refining your swing and everything necessary to kind of bounce back. What has been your biggest motivating factor and why you've been so committed this this spring?
4: Yeah, you know, I think just uh, knowing what I can do um, personally and um, you know, what I've done. And, um, now that I feel, you know, I feel, feel strong. Um, you know, my mentally, I'm, I'm feeling better mentally and, um, I'm just really excited. And, um, to be a, you know, I have a great opportunity here in Chicago and, um, you know, I'm just having a blast being in this organization and, uh, with this team right now. And, um, you know, I just want to go out and just, uh, you know, just play the game that I know I can play.
3: Cody, David and I were talking about some of the comments from your agent, Scott Boros, who I've known for 35 years. He's not a, not a shy guy, to say the least, uh, You know about his disappointment, you not going back to the Dodgers. And I was talking to David about the fact that maybe it wasn't just they didn't want you back. It appears they didn't want any of their core back. You know, the Turners were, were not brought back. You weren't, you weren't brought back. Do you, do you think it was just more philosophical than it was uh, we didn't want Cody Bellinger anymore?
4: um yeah you know i uh i understand that this whole thing it it really is a business um i think you know it's it's always in the back of the players minds at the end of the day this is a business and um you know for for me i didn't you know look back or i don't have you know hard feelings i kind of just like looking forward and seeing the new opportunity opportunity that i have and um you know like i said once I officially signed with the Cubs. I'm lucky enough to live in Arizona and pretty close to the spring training complex. And, you know, I just wanted to get to work. You know, I like looking ahead and seeing what's out there in the future. And um, like I said, man, just preparing um, just for the, for the opportunity that I have.
2: And Cody, as you look forward, you kind of look back and you see, Uh, a familiar face and you see Dustin Kelly the Cubs hitting coach and you have a history and a past with him and there's much that has been made about how you're working on your swing and how the need to be quote more athletic in the box and other things how would you describe generally speaking I guess to the the casual baseball fan to the Cub fan what you're doing this spring to change your swing or to refine it to the point where it feels like it did when you were having those great years
4: yeah, I think, uh mean, Dean DK, we've had a really solid relationship, and um, you know, just we're able to speak, you know, our languages to each other and reciprocated, and you know, kind of just it back and forth, back and forth, and just talk about hitting. Um, you know, for me is like you said, athletic, and you know, I'm such an athletic guy, and um, I play the game with such ease defensively, running the bases, um, in the box, you know, in the weight room, um, everything I just do is super athletic, and um, you know, just for me to get back to being myself and um, just gaining that confidence and um, read like remembering what I did well. And um, you know, now now that I'm feeling pretty good health wise, that I'm able to able to move how I want. and I'm starting to able to move how I want. And you know, at this point, early on in the spring, it's about you know seeing pitches and really just swinging at pitches you want to hit and just kind of playing the game again um but overall you know like i said i'm feeling athletic and i'm calm and i'm confident and that's a that's a really solid recipe right there
3: cub center fielder cody bellinger joining us and inside the clubhouse he's david i'm bruce we're here for you 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball saturday mornings from 9 to 11. cody uh what is the vibe like in there uh you know in that clubhouse because you you'll look at what Jed Hoyer and his front office did they brought in a bunch of winners, guys that have been on world championship and world series teams before. What, 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 what's your feelings? How do you feel that's evolving after a couple of weeks of spring training so far? I, I honestly,
4: you know, I couldn't be more excited. I know that's what everyone says and it's kind of the cliche thing, but I really mean it, man. I think that the, the energy and the vibe in here is, is, uh, it is amazing. And I think we're all, as the days go on, we're all playing together more and we're practicing together more and we're just hanging out and, and doing and, and, and bantering. And um, I think we have such a, such a solid group of guys in this locker room that there's just going to be good baseball. In my opinion, I think there's just going to be great baseball played. Um, and that's, that's, and that's fun. Just, just going out there every single day with your guys and, and your brothers and having each other's backs and just playing the game of baseball and I think that's what we're going to be doing really well this year.
2: So you're a former MVP, and, and obviously you're well accomplished. You're only 27, but it feels like you're a, a veteran in a clubhouse full of veterans. And yet there are young guys watching you. There's Pete Crow Armstrong in camp, and he's you know the next wave of uh, of outfielders waiting in the wings. And I, and I think I'm curious because you've accomplished so much, and you remain you know a, a young man. But is this role of mentor, is this role of being the example different for you or how you embrace it and how you handle that? Because it is some people look at you and they look up to you at this point of your career.
4: Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of things in this game early on and I'm extremely blessed to have had that opportunity and to have the success that I have. And, you know, for me, uh, when I was in A AA and AAA and in my first big league camp, I had the opportunity to <clears throat> play alongside – and watch some really, really good baseball players, potential hall of famers. And for me, I remember just being that young kid and just loved watching what they did and like picking up small things. And, um, you know, for me now as kind of just being on the other side of it. I just, for me, like just doing what I need to do to prepare for the game is maybe like them, them watching me, how I prepare and how I work and, um, you know, obviously, I I try to treat every single person with respect and um, treat them like a brother in this locker room. And I think that's, because at the end of the day, man, we are a brotherhood. Everyone in this organization, and we're with each other for seven months out of the year. And um, you know, I've had solid conversations with them and getting to know them. And yeah, they're extremely talented kids, man. It's it's fun, and they're going to be really good. And um, it's fun watching them play as well.
3: Cody, in this day of hitting labs and, uh, you know, breaking down people metrically, um, <clears throat> I think back to a conversation I had with Cal Ripken about hitting coach. He said, all the hitting coaches I've had have been great, but it's up to me to make adjustments. And, and you know, if you look at the history of Ripken, he, he would change his hitting style sometimes twice in a game where he would choke up or move up in the box or change his stance. Um, what is your philosophy? philosophy when it comes to hitting. And do you also look at things like, okay, I have hitting coaches here. We have great metrics here, but it's about me and and feeling good in that box. Not, not about uh, anybody else.
4: Right. I mean, at the end of the day, no one else is in your own mind. No one else is feeling what you feel in that box. And I think open dialogue is extremely crucial to say, Hey, you know, what did you see versus how I felt and just having solid conversations about hitting. Um, I think with the metric side of things, I think there's a, there's definitely good things about it. You can learn a lot about what you're doing. Um, cause there's a lot of feel versus real, right? A lot of players talk about what they think they're doing versus what they're really doing. And, um, just combining the baseball talk to the, to the metrics and just using all the resources around us to make yourself the best. Um, well, like I said, I mean, he's 100% right. You are the one that has to, you're the only one inside your own head and the only one swinging the bat. So you, you do truly understand and know like what you need to do to, to have success.
2: <laughs> so Cody is 2019 and you had 47 home runs. You're celebrating an MVP and you've had the success that you probably thought you were capable of. And here we are, you know, four, three, four years later, and you're moving on from the Dodgers. They went a different direction. You're with the Cubs, and you've had some struggles. I, I think everyone wants to have that success, and you achieved it at a level that nobody could ever probably relate to or imagine. How did, how did you handle the struggles? What did you learn about yourself the last couple of years in, in bouncing back from that, having been to the top and now having to try to climb your way back?
4: Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you know, mental toughness, um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself through trial and error through tough times. And, you know, for me, man, you know, when I'm all said and done, hopefully 15 years down the road in my career, you know, um, Oh, you know, I always say that there's peaks and valleys in, in a whole career and some careers are all different than others. And, you know, this is my career and my story and, you know, hopefully, like I said, in 15 years down the road, I'm going to, from these struggles, I'm going to learn a lot. And I think I'm going to come out even better because of it, just because I've learned so much about myself and, and who I am and who I can be. And I'm um, just excited to, you know, just continue to have the opportunity to play baseball, and especially with this great organization in Chicago. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling, I, I, I couldn't be any more excited just to be out there uh, every day and, and just playing baseball.
3: Cody, you're automatically the best center fielder that the Cubs have had maybe in about 20 years. Okay, so from from that perspective, and take it take it from me, I don't know a lot anymore, and I've forgotten more than I did know at this point, but, um, you know, defense is, has always been the thing that excites me the most. So when you're going to line up uh, with you in center field and Happ and left, and uh, hopefully Suzuki in right, and and the shortstop and the second baseman being who they are and Gomes, Barnard. Um, how excited about are you about the defense and the, the prospects of you guys taking a lot of runs away from other teams?
4: It's exciting. Um, I'm seeing it already. And that's kind of like I said, you know, a few minutes ago where I was just like, we're just going to be playing really good baseball. Like it's, we're such a solid, solid baseball team that has a bunch of guys that are really talented and um you know, obviously the dimensions in, in Wrigley are something I've I've played um uh, a lot of games out there in center field and um you know, just I've played I'm probably gonna play majority of games with HAP, um, just to get our communication down and understand each other's um range and and you know, it's all about communication and just playing with each other. Um, the more we play with each other, the more comfortable we're going to get and 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 understand each other. And um, But it's a solid group, man, solid group defensively, and um, I'm excited to be out there in center field.
2: Cody, quickly before we let you go, what do you look forward to the most in spending a summer in Chicago?
4: Man, what do I look forward to the most? I've actually, you know, my six- or seven-year career, I've actually only had one summer game in Chicago, and that was last year believe it or not, you were, you were usually there in in April, it seems. And uh, I just remember thinking to myself how I was like, wow, this is like, it's cool in April, but it is truly amazing out here in the summertime. And, um, you know, Cubs fans are amazing. They love the Cubs. And, you know, I feel, I feel the love and I feel the energy and, um, you know, it's uh, just to get out there and be out there. Obviously, you know, I haven't, I haven't spent a summer out there in Chicago, but I heard it's the best. So, I'm excited to get out there and just experience everything.
2: Cub fans are excited to see you play. We wish you the best of luck, and thank you for joining us this morning.
4: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Cody Bellinger, the Cubs center fielder, Bruce. Great young man, great possibilities for him ahead. This could be a fun season for Cody Bellinger and the Cubs.
3: Well, it will be. And like I said, David, uh, people hate talking about defense and baseball. It's not the – sport uh, i mean maybe the nba is another a sport where they don't talk too much about defense especially the way it's played now but honestly uh you know the run prevention is going to be uh, uh something that's going to be fun to watch for the chicago cubs this year
2: Cubs spring training talk on the score sponsored by sloan the official water efficiency partner of the chicago cubs when we come back time for a little chin music it's inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score
1: for some chin music.
4: Hey, um, how about a warning?
1: Sure. Watch out, you don't get killed. (laughs) Because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this.
0: All right, here with second baseman Elvis Andrews. How does that sound?
1: That was kind of weird. I think you, uh, you
0: have to think about it before you said it, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like it. Do you like it? I like it, too. I mean, I better like it. That's my position, man. Well, uh, yeah, it's a little weird, but uh, I'll get used to it.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was Elvis Andrews with our buddy Chuck Garfine on the White Sox Talk podcast saying how weird it was to play second base, Bruce. And while this doesn't necessarily require a strong message being sent, I think it's one that everyone understands. He better get used to it. He's got to get used to it. I know you alluded to some competition at second base, Bruce. There can't be competition. He's got to be the guy. And he's got to be the guy. If I set the number at 130 games, are you going over or under for Elvis Andrews starts in 2023? I'm taking the over. I think it's got to be the over.
3: I'm going under because I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Gonzalez uh, develops into the everyday second baseman there.
2: Oh, why?
3: <laughs> why? Because he's uh, 23 years old and uh, has a future. Uh, I think Andrus is a good player. I want him as your utility guy. I want him to be oh, able please. to play. Bruce. I want him to be able to be there when somebody gets injured, David. Not The starting future the season. is now. You are the White Sox.
2: You are the most disappointing team in 2022. You're 500 by accident, and you're coming back. I don't want to develop anybody second base. You're developing a right fielder. You got a rookie out there. You still have a problem at catcher. Elvis Andrews over 130 games because he. You look at his career. He's an everyday player. He's not a utility guy. He. This isn't Louis Garcia 2.0. This is Elvis Andrews, everyday player, infielder, second base. Forget Romy. I mean, Romy can do the utility thing. Let him do that.
3: Look, I would trade him right now if I was the Chicago White Sox, okay? And you could get something really good back for Elvis Andrews, who has an awful lot to offer a team. Not sure what as a second baseman since he's played, what, uh, two innings over there in his entire career. He has a lot to offer, and he would be – if he would have waited another two weeks – He would be, right now, the Dodgers' everyday shortstop, okay, because they have lost Gavin Lux for the season. They don't have a lot of answers over there.
2: You're making my point for me. If the guy is good enough to play everyday shortstop for a, a team that's going to win the NL West and compete for a pennant, he certainly is good enough to play second base every day for a team that's
3: going to be hoping to win 90 games. It's a whole different position, David. It's not the same position. It's not close. Bruce. You're, you're moving. You're moving. Uh, you're moving a different direction most of the time than you were. You're making a double play with your back to the first baseman that you've never done before. These are things that just you know automatically because you're a good overstated.
2: Overstated.
3: How many cups of coffee did you have today? <laughs> I'm the same, Bruce. Big deal.
2: Second base, shortstop. There's no shift. It's the same position athletically. It's essentially
3: the Midlothian Little League. This is Major League (laughs) Baseball, pal. I
2: know, but I think that we are over. We overthinking this. Elvis Andrews is not only does he give you the confidence he can make the adjustment. He's a guy that you want in that clubhouse because I don't know that if you've noticed here, but last year they weren't a family. Jose Abreu tells us, and this is a team that dysfunctional. Last year needs to be together this season. And Elvis Andrews gives you the – he elevates your baseball IQ. He makes everybody in the infield that much more alert and in, in every pitch. And I just think you can't just dismiss his value on an everyday basis.
3: So if it was so that's important, uh, why did it take until uh, a couple weeks ago to sign this guy to a contract? Well, that's Rick Hahn's problem. I don't know. Okay. He won't tell us. And we don't know why. He I thought it would get take care of way earlier. What were they waiting for? Well, I mean, three million dollars. I'm sure and uh, Andrews probably thought he was going to get a better deal, or a multi year deal, or something like that. But uh, at this point in time of his career, I'm not looking at him as an everyday second baseman. I'm looking at him as an important utility guy on a team that should win. Okay, I'm bringing along Gonzalez as my everyday second baseman until he proves he can't do it. All right, we'll agree to disagree, and this will be fun to keep track of as the season progresses, Bruce. We're going to shift gears, though,
2: and I'm going to have a cup of decaf, and we're going to talk Cubs <laughs> because they threw a no-hitter, and we're going to talk about what that means and look at their rotation next inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy to the score.
4: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every
0: out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long.